Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out. The kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I had a great conversation with Mark Smith, who is the founder and lead strategist at Double Up Social. Double Up Social produces effective social media strategies and compelling content for food and beverage brands like Kellogg's, Chicken Cottage, Green Cafe, and many more. Mark and I talked about how he has been helping out operators with free social media advice during the lockdown without expecting anything in return. A real maverick living the law of reciprocity in these hard times for a beloved industry. We also talked about the power of storytelling and how you can get that out through your digital channels. Mark gives some super insight and tips on how to get started on this journey. Mark also gives his view on what to expect in the near future for the food and drinks industry and what he's doing to keep on top of himself and his business. Grab headphones, coffee and notebook and enjoy! Today we are in the middle of August and uh, you know it seems like we are crawling back and businesses are kicking back into gear especially in the hospitality industry and we have the eat out scheme running and more and more restaurants are opening your doors. I think the red, last statistic I read was about 76 to 80% of uh, restaurants are now back in trading on a national level here in the UK. This is very exciting, but we are also heading a future where we still have to think about innovation, as we talked about here on the podcast before, but also about how do we actually you know, tell our story to people because the, the savvy consumer has become more aware than ever they want to buy from people that has the right story that fits with their beliefs, but also are they actually doing the right thing for people, the community and the planet. And for that, I've invited uh, Mark Smith from Social Double Up Marketing. And uh, we have been talking a couple of times before about storytelling and the power of that and using that in, a, especially in a restaurant setting where, you know, Mark, he works with a lot of restaurants and operators out there. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you very much for having me. For people that doesn't know who you are and what your business is all about, could you just give like a bit of a background on yourself and why you started up the business and uh, what are you doing in the moment and the people you're working with? Sure. So uh, my name is Mark Smith. I launched Double Up Social. We are a what I consider a dual service social media marketing studio dual service in the fact that we work with mainly food and beverage and hospitality brands all the way from creative strategy to kind of content creation Um, because I'm under the belief that it's all well and good having you know a really nice kind of research strategy but if you don't have the content to back it up and vice versa if you have really nice photographs but no strategy behind it then obviously they need to work together. Um, and I launched Double Up a couple of years ago. Um, before doing Double Up, I'd done freelance kind of content creation, freelance social media marketing. I worked with agencies like uh, AMV, BBDO in London, um, and both kind of client side as well. And I found the one thing that stood out to me is that you would have traditionally this marketing agency and then traditionally a production house, you know, of content creators, photographers, videographers, etc. Like we said, for the best performing social strategy, you would need a little bit of both. So I thought that it was crazy that traditionally you wouldn't have the marketing agency and the production houses working together. So that's why I launched Double Up Social is to bring all of that under one roof. Um, and since we launched a couple of years ago, we've kind of grown quite quite rapidly, especially in, in the days at the moment where digital marketing is 
kind of one of the only ways restaurants can, can reach their consumers and their customers. But we work a lot with multi-site operators all the way down to individual restaurants that have maybe one or two sites, but also more food and beverage brands and more e-commerce, so retailers, suppliers, that kind of thing. One of the things we talked about as well was during the pandemic, the, you were doing some some great work there because, of course, you, you had a business to run, but actually you helped a lot of operators for free. You were actually giving your advice for free and helping out for free because in a way, as you told me, like yeah, you just understood that this was not the time maybe to charge. So it was a bit of a reciprocity that you help now and you get back later. Tell, tell a bit about that story because that was actually how we connected originally yeah exactly so i mean at the end of the day we're a small business um and i come from kind of a food and beverage background you know my my parents are chefs etc so i kind of understand where restaurants are coming from in terms of the pain points that you know most of them lost their revenues their customers overnight and for a lot of these you know especially independent restaurants they maybe didn't have a great digital presence and as people were locked down and stuck at home digital marketing and social media was kind of the prime way people could reach their audiences and I figured, you know, what's what's the point in having this skill set if we can't offer it to people in times of need? So I started offering free kind of digital marketing and, and ad workshops to kind of pretty much any restaurant or food and beverage brand that was impacted by by COVID. Um, and yeah, essentially over the course, I started that in March. And over the course of a couple of months, I spoke to, you know, 50 to 60 different restaurants, different brands and spent maybe over 40 hours on these one-to-one calls. And it was basically just, so I had two different types of calls. It was digital marketing, where we'd talk about kind of some actionable insights as to how they can improve their social presence, their who their target market is, how we can kind of reach them better organically. But then people who also had budgets, how they could set up Facebook ads. So the Facebook ad platform can be very daunting upon the first few. Some people I spoke to linked it to kind of like a trading platform. It looked that daunting. So I gave them a run through on how to kind of best practices when you're using Facebook ads and how you can set up um, your ads directly through the platform. Um, and yeah, and it helped a lot of brands actually get started. And I've seen a lot of these people I've spoken to in these brands. I've seen their ads pop up in my feed. So it's quite nice to see them taking obviously that um, instructions on board um, and actually move forward. And yeah, it was, it was great to give back. Because like I said, what's the point in doing what you're doing if you can't help people uh, you know, in, in their time of need? I think one of the things that uh, I always have noticed as well, uh, one of the gaps I see in, in restaurants, and I think it's, it's changing rapidly now because of the pandemic, but going digital is the... The ability actually to become digital in any kind of way, if that's from a marketing point of view or from a operation point of view, it really taking some time. But yeah, pandemic have really pushed that, and and also the need for being able to tell their story because a lot of these smaller operators they have great stories, and the consumers really want to buy from them. They don't have a preference preference to go and buy for the big ones, but they are the one that's better at telling their story. Where the smaller ones often sometimes have not been good enough telling their story digitally. If you meet them one-to-one, you are, you're sold. You will come to that place all the time. But some restaurants just haven't been really good in the past to, to tell these stories and utilizing the power of, of telling their story and why they're actually here. Exactly. I think one of the key things you said there is obviously locally. And I think that's what COVID has pointed out is the importance to shop local. You know, there's been a massive shop local movement, you know, supporting local businesses in comparison to maybe large chains, you know, a lot of the chains I work with, they're France, um, franchisee based. So at the end of the day, uh, a restaurant you go to would still be given to a franchisee. So it, it's kind of a two-pronged strategy there. But yeah, it really does highlight the fact that people should be shopping local and, and you know, supporting their communities. And like you were saying, there's, there's so much value in that. And I guess what we'll go on to explain today is is 
the importance of adding value through your storytelling um, and that there is very much the best advertising doesn't feel like advertising and that is what I wanted to get across to a lot of these kind of restaurants and food and beverage uh, you know people is that if you make an ad that you know is a massive sales sticker upon one of your dishes it's not going to perform well you know you've got to think about the context behind it the values behind it and that is what will make people you know stop and look and that is what will ultimately you know convert to the to deliveries etc but again the pandemic i guess with the type of clients you had as well impacted you hugely as well uh, as a business and then uh, i guess what what have you done in in all this and how has affected you what are you guys doing to to bounce back from this how are you helping operators to think differently because i guess we, you are like many others looking at uh, your client base as a in challenging time ahead. It's not over yet. It's just started. Exactly. I mean, so, so the nature of what we do, obviously digital marketing, we already would kind of work remotely because that is, thankfully, that's how we can do it. So it didn't necessarily try, change how we worked, but it changed how our clients worked, for example. So obviously when things kicked off, we were concerned about our clients' marketing you know, budgets, you know, with, with a decreased marketing um, spend, you know, from, from a decreased revenue that would obviously therefore have an impact on the marketing. But thankfully, most of the clients that we worked with kind of, you know, realized the importance of, of, you know, digital marketing during these times. But it was essentially really just adapting and reworking our, our marketing strategies. So traditionally, they would have been driving people in store, you know, into restaurants, etc. But overnight, we had to, you know, change our strategies to be directing people to, to delivery platforms. So we had to essentially come up with more engaging, you know, cook at home, recipe guides, et cetera, to keep in the front of, of customers' minds. And there were some restaurants that we worked with who, even though they were closed, they weren't even accepting deliveries, they still wanted to talk to customers. They still wanted to take that time to revamp their menu, to talk to their customers, to keep them in, you know, engaged so that when they did reopen, you know, there was a lot of kind of pre-hype there. Um, so it was really important. Their strategy changed a lot overnight, but it was basically making a more digital first strategy rather than you know physical first. How are you seeing the the, the coming months? Uh, because I don't think even we can talk about a year plan right now. But how how are you seeing that your the people you are working with? What are you, what are they doing? What are to move forward? And how are you supporting them in on that journey? Because I guess like there's this you know. How do we actually bounce back in some kind of way from this? Because right now we are, you know, underpinned by furlough still in the industry and people are very scared when that disappeared. We have, uh, you know, some, some people have got a bit of relief from the landlord. You have business rates that's not uh, going to kick in before the new year and the same with VAT. But how are you seeing the coming months up to, let's say, up to Christmas? And how, how, how are you going to be working with people to utilizing things in that period? Uh, so I think a lot of the clients we've been working with, um, they have been traditionally switching their kind of business model to more delivery focused. And I think obviously now restaurants are reopening again, they are kind of going back to the, to the traditional in-store. But um, yeah, I mean, focusing on, on the delivery options, making sure that the customer service is there. So a big thing that we work with our clients is that, you know, a, a multi-chain operator we work with, you know, they get, you know, 50 messages a day, for example, their customers might reach out to them on social media and say, how do they make a a delivery or how do they make an order for you know delivery or Uber Eats, etc. Um and for a lot of these independent restaurants they don't necessarily have the time to manage their own social media, their own messages, check their emails, etc. So and that would, would result to a loss of sales. So it's making sure that you have good customer service because that is like we're saying, there's a very human element to, to marketing. So it's making sure that we have that. But in you know in terms of the future of the food and beverage, I would really say 
the last few months have proven how adaptable the whole industry needs to be. And I think that shouldn't be relaxed. People should still be, you know, cautious as, as to what will happen over the coming months. You know, if you're a restaurant, you can't just rely on footfall anymore. You have to be able to offer people the convenience um, to enjoy your dish, you know, even make it at home. And, and obviously that's, that's a big thing is convenience. And I think that is what will become larger in the, in the next couple of months, you know, with delivery services and specialised marketplaces kind of all on the rise. Okay, consumers are looking for a convenient way to purchase their product, you know, whether it be for an app, you know, delivery Uber Eats or even Amazon, you know, people are looking for the quickest, most convenient way to order their food. And, you know, health and safety has been a key purchasing decision over the last couple of months, you know, more so than ever has been. And I think a way that brands should be moving now, especially into Christmas, is to incorporate what health and safety measures they've taken into place, if I haven't already done so. Um, just to reassure their audiences, to reassure people, you know, if it's a restaurant, we're doing this distancing, we're using gloves, we've done, we've, you know, done X, Y, Z, but really reassuring their, their customers over the next couple of months, because at the end of the day, people will understand if there's a reduced menu or, you know, uh, delivery times might be longer, you know, I think people have understood that in, in you know, in, in, the, in the way of public health. So I think just being honest with, with your consumers as well about, you know, health, um, schemes you put in place etc this is psychological safety in principle you're uh, you're talking about again and you come back to telling stories um, i've seen some people that has been brilliant of telling stories about how they do the uh, health and safety bit so uh, the boston tea party is a great example of they made it made it a bit fun and you saw inception bars putting on bee beekeeper uh, suits and uh, gas mask and stuff like that on their staff to protect. And I think that's that's a great way of using the opportunity. And how do we actually respond? As I asked the question to both my, our clients, but also in the the teams I work within, how do you how do we make a response to COVID? How do we actually do a thing where we actually leverage the situation and get on top of it instead of being below it? So storytelling and you you alert to it in the beginning why is that so important in marketing today because i guess we just need to sell some product and do some transactions and put some stuff on social media yeah so the best advertising doesn't feel like advertising you know nobody likes to be sold to people buy their experiences their products preferably from people rather than businesses and marketing is a lot about emotion and storytelling is that essentially emotion-based messaging it's very important because you can forge a deeper connection with your consumers. So rather than saying, buy our products, you can explain the values behind the products, its USPs and the more human side of it. So think, for example, for a restaurant, rather than saying, this is our new dish. Instead, you could talk about the sourcing behind it, the chef's inspiration, you know, why has the chef picked that dish? You know, it's, it's the value of the dish that is its, is its story. So many dishes, you know, many businesses might sell very similar products or similar you know, cuisines. But the things that separate them and allow them to maybe often charge more is their backstory. And that's what adds value. And storytelling is a way of, of telling, you know, it, it, storytelling is a way of adding that value. I guess also is this uh, storytelling is this beautiful thing about, you know, the hero's journey. We all want to see a hero. And there's so many, especially in smaller restaurants, that's what I found out, that there's, there's so many small stories that, the customers doesn't know about but actually they will be detrimental for them to come there every time because they will connect so much with that story of the family or why they put up the restaurant uh, the certain love for a cuisine 
uh, where they get their produce from and so on. Is that something you see as well, that sometimes these stories have just not been told and they're not just been utilized in the way they could be? Yeah, I mean, that's that's completely it. I mean, everyone likes to shop local. It, from a consumer point of view, it gives you a feel-good factor that you're supporting local businesses, but it also, like you're saying, it has much more of a relevance factor. You know, you're buying from a local family, you're, you're supporting them, you know. there's a, a I saw a big kind of viral sensation went a little while ago is that when you're shopping local, you're, you're helping a, a business owner send their son to, to university, for example, rather than helping you know, a big conglomerate make you know, more money in the bank. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of these a lot of these brands don't often tell their story in the best way. And, and maybe it's because it's daunting. Maybe they don't have the capability to, you know, so it's storytelling on social media. You've got, you've got captions, you've got graphics, you've got videos. There's lots of ways to tell stories. For on social media, for example, the stigma is that captions should be short, you know, and if you're doing an ad, if you're doing something very concise to the point, a short caption would work well. But you'll see a lot of influencers, for example, use longer form captions. And that's because influencers tell stories. And I think, this is one thing we try to do with a lot of a lot of our clients is don't always focus on short captions. Maybe just because that is what the norm is, is do a long caption, tell a story, because essentially at the end of the day, that is what people will engage with is those stories. Um, and that's obviously from a text point of view. From a, from a graphics point of view, obviously you got pictures, you got um, illustrations. You know, you can tell a story through your imagery. So when it comes to food, for example, you've got props, you've got you know flavor cues. You, you you can use these to give context, you know. So say you're doing a photo shoot, you want to you know tell a story about your product, you know. You can use flavor cues. You can um, highlight where the you know where the food came from, the setting they should be in. And this is kind of where marketing imagery and menu imagery differs, you know, a lot of the time. What I see is that menu imagery is typically the product on a white background, so you can you know, embed it on on websites, etc. But when you're doing marketing, a picture of a product on a white background doesn't sell it. What you need to be doing is, for example, making it more inspirational. So imagine like a, a jarred sauce, for example. You know, you could have a picture of a jar on a white background, um, you know, which nobody would really click on because nobody really cares. But if you had a picture of um, a dish made using that sauce, a set on upon a dinner table with you know accompanying wines, cutlery, table props, guests in the background, it very much gives it a dinner party vibe. You know, it tells a story indirectly. So it doesn't always have to be text-based. You can do it um, subtly uh, just through kind of the imagery you use and that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, with, with iPhones, you can take really good quality imagery. You don't necessarily need high-quality cameras. And something else that I guess we'll discuss later is, is the stories element to you know Instagram, to Facebook, to Snapchat. That is a really good way that, that um, restaurant owners can utilize to, to tell authentic stories without needing this, mag- you know, this massive budget. Yeah, and I think it's also sometimes that, uh, as you say, they may be a bit scared and it could almost be imposter syndrome of telling that story and feeling good about it. That's what I've, you know, when I sometimes have worked with clients where I think you have something that's absolutely amazing. If you tell that story, I'm sure that there's people that's going to line up to work for you who are also going to buy your product from you just because of that, just because you're telling that background and why you care so much about the ingredients you put in here and why you are want to be an employer of this kind because people don't know and they just perceive you as a small little local restaurant that just you know sells some food but there's much more deeper meaning to why you you're doing what you're doing a great example i have a we work with a client of ours uh, it's called mandus in in brighton they created this restaurant because their mom wanted a restaurant when she was 82 it's a beautiful story. Her sons buy her restaurant and they start running a restaurant. It's an absolutely amazing place, full of stories. 
and they become better at telling stories. But there are so many great stories within there, and people they love it. And if you go on their social, you see, as soon as they put something on, people just love it. They're still closed because of the impact of the pandemic. But again, they have been connecting with people during the pandemic, and people they want to be part of that story. They want to touch that story, and it's so it's so beautiful when you have things like that. Exactly. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's about having fun and telling your story. You know, if if you don't enjoy what you do, it's much harder to convince other people to enjoy what you're doing. So it's social media is very informal by nature in the hospitality industry. You know, there are different examples. We have luxury places, but as a whole, social media should be informal, I think, because that is the nature of it. Social media is social. So having being able to tell that story in a relatable way, you know, maybe using slang using emojis, telling that story in a relatable way is a good way of essentially resonating with people. Um, because like a lot of these stories people can can connect with you know so it is it is brilliant to see some people doing it well um and obviously going back to the workshops that we did it was great to be able to help other brands do that can you give a couple of examples because it's always interesting of here some somebody that masters something where you say that they, they they're doing this the social media storytelling really well i have a couple in mind but i will let you get started out who do you think does a really great job of that in the industry? Small to large operators, they're really good at storytelling. I would say Innocent Smoothies are probably one of my one of my favorites, one of the go to. So obviously they smell the uh, they obviously Innocent Smoothies sell the the smoothies. They are their communication is fun. It's informal. It's it's very authentic. You know their captions. If you look at them on Facebook and Instagram, they're usually very long form and they're written with slang. Now, a lot of their marketing, a lot of their communications isn't always related to their product. It's about being part of a larger conversation. So when there's, for example, when there's been a heat wave or when there's been, um, you know, storms, they've kind of played a twist on that to, to play on relevant memes. And sometimes I'll direct it back to the brand, sometimes I won't. It's about being part of the conversation. It's about bringing the story of what's happening onto their page so that everyone talks about it on their page, for example. And it can be something as silly as, you know, I think I've seen them do, you know, national or australia day they've turned their profile pictures upside down it can be something as silly as that just to kind of give a bit of a context but as we said earlier you know the best advertising doesn't feel like advertising and i think that the way innocent smoothies um is very informal is very playful with their communications it means they're able to tell their stories in a very relatable way and it allows them to essentially shoehorn their brand into trending topics without it looking too forced um, so I think anybody looking for inspiration on how to tell stories and how to essentially use social media well um, and also be social, I would recommend Innocence Movies. A very good example. That's a really good example. I know when you say it because yeah, I I I really love it. But also the the whole purpose around it. I've been very good at telling that. Uh, I'm thinking about I don't know if you know uh, Mowgli Nisha Katona, and Nisha she's very clear about she has to be in the forefront of the social media and telling the story because she is a servant of the the culture and, and and she does it brilliantly i think the way on different platform how she 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 tells about the the beliefs and values and behaviors they have in the organization and their beliefs around food and and what kind of food she eat and what kind of food she cook and i think that she's she's doing it really well uh that's another example she has also been on the podcast but it's it's a brilliant example of somebody that really understands to be in front of their business and use storytelling as a powerful tool as a founder and ceo definitely i mean storytelling can be informative as well so a brand that we work with called fine food specialist as the name suggests they sell you know high quality expensive you know products like wagyu beef etc but 
we we've done a bit of work with them to highlight their storytelling like you're saying and i think what we've done with them is we've created a kind of like a series of recipe videos so whilst they might sell for example wagyu beef some people might be quite daunted by the product you know it's quite expensive they don't want to waste it um what we would do well it'd be quite expensive etc it would make them hesitant to to purchase so what we've done is we've worked with them to create kind of create some recipe videos highlighting the founder why he started the business um and then some recipe videos imagine kind of like jamie oliver that kind of style um, highlighting the founder cooking the dishes in his own home, in his own kitchen. It's a very authentic way of showing how it can be done at home easily. You know, it reassures the audience. And by using storytelling, you know, guiding viewers from all the way to the beginning to how he sourced it, to how it arrives, to how he's cooking it, to pairing tips, it all very much tells the story. And you know, traditionally, storytelling for marketing doesn't have to be a start, middle, end. But when it comes to these recipe videos, it's a very good way of, rather than just saying, well, here's a product, buy it. You know, it's inspiring people. And that's a very big part of what uh, storytelling is, in my opinion, in my eyes, is, is being inspiring and inspiring people what they can do with, for example, with dishes or or how the chefs are inspired to make things. I think inspiration is a very big keyword that people should think about when they're, when they're kind of doing their storytelling and doing their marketing plans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you're spot on there as well. The same thing I see as well with what the best of the best are doing is they are... They've been out, especially during the pandemic, using their own kitchen. I think that and that makes them very relatable as well as owners. It, it makes takes things down to the ground. And yeah, as you say, the Jamie Oliver way. But again, that uh, and I think the, the 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 pandemic have actually forced some owners to step in front of their business, which I think is the best thing you can do when you want to market your business. Is because if you don't want to stand in front of it, what kind of business is it that you you're running? Then if you can't stand up for it. Um, so I think it's such, so great to see some of the, the brands I love and the restaurants I need to come, go into can see that's happening. Um, if we uh, if we stay a bit on the, the, the storytelling thing, um, uh, where, where should people start if they want to get started? I was thinking, okay, I want to be better at storytelling, but it, it's a bit like, you know, one of those uh, acronyms like wellness. Where, what does it mean and where do I start and how do we actually start? becoming better at storytelling i think the one thing you should ask yourself is what do i want to tell people you know what what is the the sense of emotion i want to convey do i want to make people happy do i make people excited do i want to make people inspired by this and what you can do is essentially just i mean this it it works very differently for everybody but think about what you want to convey and then i i work very well with lists so i would just make a list saying right i started with this x y z and just make a list of everything that's happened and then you can just essentially just tell the story that you've done in the past for your consumers so if you're trying to you know make it take an emotional standpoint on your story you can very much lean on you know you started it based on covid perhaps someone uh, or if you don't don't profiteer off or anything but perhaps um you're inspired to make a new dish um from somebody passed away or anything like that obviously with, with the um the restaurant you're mentioning earlier with their mum um, I think that's a really, you know, really useful way of, of using emotion. When anybody starts, like you're saying, it can be very daunting to start kind of storytelling. And at the end of the day, some people are actually storytellers. Some require a bit of work, but very much think about what do you want to convey to your audience, and then kind of work from there. What? How do you think, like you know, it comes to storytelling and uh, you know restaurants? Because I think it's been very product led. And very transactional led sometimes, especially marketing. You put a product in front and you push that product and price, promotion, place, 
etc. And uh, how do you think that storytelling is gonna be part of the, the the industry as we go forward now with all this change that's happening, all this behavioral change with the consumers they're hungering for, probably gonna be hungering for stories and escape uh, as we go forward because we're gonna be hit besides everybody as individuals and companies by big challenges, not only in hospitality, but in general, in the in the economy and as in an individual person. I think being very transparent in, in what you're doing is a key factor. So, I mean, you see this with with the uh, the restaurant industry in general. You know, a lot of restaurants are having open plan kitchens, you know, kitchens with glasses. They're wanting to make the whole process very transparent. And the same should be said for their communications, their storytelling. So rather than, say, for example, on, on Instagram, rather than posting a picture of your a really nice polished, you know, finished looking dish, you want to tell the story of where it came from. You know, you're going to want to highlight the chefs, etc. So it makes it a lot more authentic rather than just, you know, saying this is a, this is the product, like you're saying, this, this is the finished product. S- starting from the beginning and working your way through, just making every step of what you're doing transparent because that is what people relate to. You know, people like, you know, the human race, we, we love stories. You know, they've been around since the dawn of time, you know, caveman doing stories on walls. People like stories. So if you can bring people on a journey of what you're doing um then that is that is the most important thing and for for restaurants and for the hospitality industry that usually starts with either inspiration of where to cook a meal you know maybe you've maybe been on holiday or maybe you've got some heritage that has inspired you to create a certain meal um maybe it's a sourcing maybe you're you know you visited somewhere and um you, you learn how to source a new you know a new dish a new ingredient Starting with that and then working away, basically just documenting your um, your process as you go. Imagine you're writing a diary, I would say, and then you can go from there and yeah, essentially just be transparent in in your process because people will you know will respond to it. Gone are the days where you just put a sticker on a poster and then you can make people believe that's what you're about. You really need to to be transparent and lift that transparency. To, to create that trust between the uh, the uh, the guest and uh, you as a business. Yeah, so one of the things we've seen in, in the marketing industry as a whole over the last couple of years has grown is something called stories. You know, they're vertical pieces of content that disappear from, you know, from your profile after 24 hours. You know, in hospitality, they're usually used to highlight midweek offers, customer imagery, milestones, you know, new store openings, etc. A lot of the time, brands use them as a very salesy approach. But stories, when they're used by consumers, Stories are used very informally. You know, stories are meant just meant to be. You whip your phone out your pocket, you film something, you post it. Traditionally, they're not meant to be very toyed with. You know, they're not meant to be polished. They're very authentic. And like we mentioned earlier, stories are the way that even smaller businesses who don't have massive camera, you know, budgets, etc., they're a way of storytelling uh, in, in a very authentic manner. You know, they're informal by nature, which makes them authentic. You know, they're meant to be taken in the moment, uh, similar to you know Instagram and Facebook Live, but. I think using stories gives a way for a brand to tell a story without thinking too much into it or needing too many resources. You know, they can interview staff, chefs, go behind the scenes of a product. Um, anything that, you know, say you look at your feed and you say, I want my feed to look nice and luxury, nice and polished. You could use stories to highlight behind the scenes. You know, maybe you don't want to, you know, maybe you don't want, you know, a raw fish to, to be in your feed if you're trying to attract new customers, but you want to highlight the sourcing. You can do that in your stories because that would disappear after 24 hours. But at the end of the day, when it comes to, to marketing and obviously so um, storytelling and marketing, it is very much testing to see what works for you, see what works for your business. Um, and one thing which which I think is really, really cool that 
it's coming up soon is is for stories you know this this format for people to tell stories instagram have recently started testing kind of automated caption generation for stories so obviously video is, is a massive part of telling stories and that you know video lends itself perfectly to stories so when it comes to um using video for stories having this automated caption generate, uh, generator will allow people to tell stories much easier because a lot of people you know use stories with their uh, audio turned off or muted so having these captions will help tell the story a lot better but yeah i think um any brand that can use video to further tell their story as well i mean we've seen over the last couple of years video has been a massive buzzword when it comes to marketing you know videos are going to grow this year they're going to grow next year the next year after and that's because videos are a prime way of telling stories so i think we're going to see a massive boost as we have been you know if we look at the video usage on a graph, it, it will just you know skyrocket over the last couple of years. But I think it's only going to grow more. I think you're, you're spot on, especially video. And I think one of the things I've seen and what I really believe is that people that can also use, as you said, their own employees to tell stories. So they are so confident. And you know that when the staff wants to go on live and talk about it, they... Of course, they can be instructed and guided, but you, you can see when it's authentic, somebody talk about their, their work or the, the food they're prepping, that they really love what they're doing. Uh, and and, and you'll be surprised about how, how willing the staff is actually, if they're proud of what they're doing, to talk about it. And they just need to channel, they just need a bit of help from you to, to do that. So getting your head around storytelling if this is a like a new subject and you're thinking about is just as possible is there any books you would say that people could look into any resources where they can get like a better understanding on storytelling and so on when it comes to storytelling you can do google searches you know it very much depends on the industry if you're a restaurant you can type in storytelling examples for restaurants or if you're an e-commerce brand storytelling examples for e-commerce but every brand will do it differently. Every brand has a different story to tell. Um, so very much just take a look at what other people have done and just take inspiration from it. You know, like I said, your story is going to be different from, for example, my story will be different from your story over in Brighton. So it is very much just take inspiration on how other people have told the story and tailor that towards you know, for your business. And I think just you can never do too much research, really. So just take a look on Google and you can go from there. Yeah, and uh, you can, Mark, when you have a look at the books, we can put them in the, the show notes and people can can have a look there if there's any books that bring out to mind. There's one book I've been reading myself and that was why I asked a bit of a the cheeky question. It's, uh, it's called Winning the Story Wars with Jonathan Sack, where it's, uh, he tells the, the, the thinking behind storytelling and how why it's so important in, in the new world. To be able to be able to tell stories, there is, uh, you know, first of all, they have to be true, they have to be relevant, and they have to make a difference in people's life, um, and that's the three elements. And yeah, that, that's a great book, and it's probably a bit more to the the heavy academic side, uh, I would say. So there's probably uh, some kind of uh, resume online people can read, so they don't have to read the full book. It's just because I I just love that kind of approach to to build businesses on stories. Um, so yeah. But how do you see the our beloved industry that you work with and I work with? How is that going to look in the next 12 to 18 months from, from your view? What is going to happen uh, if you had a crystal ball? And uh, Because there's, there's a lot of uh, dire news out there in the moment. Well, I mean, fingers crossed we don't have too much of a dramatic second wave. And if we do, then hopefully restaurants and stuff aren't forced to close. You know, recently we've had Manchester, they've been kind of doing a local lockdown, etc. But a lot of the restaurants have still been open. So 
fingers crossed if we do have a, a second lockdown, a second wave, that restaurants are still able to, to stay open if they can, you know, perform safely. Because if I think if not, then that could be detrimental to the industry. But, you know, only time will tell. But leading up to Christmas, I think people will be more optimistic, you know, especially when we come to Christmas, people go, there's going to be more of an upbeat vibe going on, hopefully. So I'm thinking that hopefully people will, will start to shop out again. Um, like I was saying earlier, convenience is, is going to be on the rise. People are going to be looking to order a home, especially when it comes to Christmas. They're not going to want to go out shopping. You know, so for any brands who are more e-commerce focused or more retail focused, making sure that they're able to handle their delivery processes because people are, are looking for convenience, you know, and like we said before, health and safety, that's not going to go away anytime soon. It's similar to the, you know, rising of the kind of healthy food movement and, and the vegan movement in, in my, my mind. That has obviously grown over the last couple of years. And same with the health and safety aspect, that's just going to stay. You know, that's not going to go anytime soon. So making sure that you still keep on shouting about the health and safety measures you're taking. Um, you know, if, you, if you've if got a five-star food hygiene, uh, five-star hygiene ratings, etc., talking about them. But yeah, I mean, I, I really wish I would knew what would happen I, over the last couple of days as we hear that the rate is going up again. I'm sure if you listen to this a couple of months' time, it will uh, it will be like a different world. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's sadly that no one can predict what's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like being in the wilderness in a way because uh, I'm asked very often the same question. I often say that uh, you just have to focusing on what you can do uh, and not worrying so much about what's happening in three months you have to be aware of it and you try to navigate that and prepare as you say to become more digital and have your supply chain ready for christmas i think you're absolutely right you will see a rise in convenience and uh and i think that uh, yeah we need to be ready and adapt to that i think that's uh that's a key thing and getting ramped up for that as well because i think it's going to be different volumes in a very short time very high pressure and you want and as, as an operator you want to utilize every second of that and get as much cash in the bank on this this period where people are a bit more probably hopefully is going to be a bit more optimistic about things i couldn't agree more yeah definitely i think the, the importance of being reactive and adaptive is more important you know more important than ever you know, with things like the eat out to help out, that was only announced a couple of weeks in advance. Obviously, with the closure of stuff, that's only announced the day before. So a lot of the measures that will that have been in place, and I'm sure that will be in place moving forward, they will only be announced a couple of days in advance. It's making sure, yeah, making sure you're in a position to make changes to your business in the split second that need to be done. So rather than you know jetting away on holiday, making sure you're you're in a position to make changes to your business as needs come up. You know, hopefully this this will only be a short term thing moving forward but making sure you're always in a position to be reactive is is key yeah i think it's also a bit about i i've been talking with a lot of people to say how do i adapt to this and this is a bit about becoming agile it's a bit like being looking into the sports world because a game of sports and one of my favorite sports to to think about business is uh, it's not football in my world it's basketball because business always goes in three waves i think no matter what you do there's almost almost three steps to everything Oh, the the rule of three good uh, advice and so on. And basketball is three quarters. And uh, the intensity, if you take an NBA basketball game, it's played in, It's uh, it demands you to be very agile and change because in a split second, that game can change around. And I think it's about your fundamentals you put in before you need to be agile. 
it's about having that this you know fundamentals put in place always improving always get that one percent better every day it's not about jumping 10 percent one day and then 20 percent down the other day it's that continuous improvement uh, and i learned that from a very early age you know working at mcdonald's because they're actually focusing on getting better long term not just winning one day and losing the other it's that one percent improvement and habits you build around your business on marketing operation people management and if you have that mindset i actually think you will be very successful no matter what hits you but it also demands discipline and the discipline culture within your people so again there's so many fundamental things you need to to work with so i totally agree with you you have to be ready to, to move on that. But that was a bit of a side note uh, because I totally agree with you. How do yourself, Mark, keep, because you're a business owner and you're also depending on the success of your clients. How do you keep yourself sane in all this? Because it's it's mental. It feels so out of control, you know, and the one thing we like as business owners and entrepreneurs is to be in control of our world. Exactly. I mean, it's it's interesting you say obviously being in control. I think one thing I do to keep sane is is delegating. As a, as a business owner, as a leader, you've got to understand that you can't wear all hats. You've got to understand that whilst you might have a, an overall say in everything that goes on, you can't control every aspect of your business. You know, for social media, we've got strategy, we've got pay-per-click ads, we've got community management, we've got content creation. Now, obviously, while I have a, a very good understanding of each, I focus on strategy. That's you know the main hat I wear in my business. So, if I tried doing everything at once, you know, I would be severely restricting in my business, and I'd, you know, likely lead to a burnout. So, being able to delegate properly and respectfully you know respecting everyone's talents is a fundamental way i think and this is something that i once again i realized from my business early on is that you've got to appreciate everyone's talents you can't expect yourself to do it all because that would just be limiting you long term i think that's extremely important to, to delegate people you know to get the right expertise in to do the job for your business obviously budget depending yeah that's so interesting you're saying that because this is actually the the conversation i often end with when you know either growing or turnaround situation where i advise on the strategy and uh, people often think strategy is a market fit and uh, yeah, there's some elements of that i'm not a marketing expert and that's not what i advise I advise on the operation and the business model does it actually give sense but it actually comes often down to it's the the, the core team that don't have in place so they can't delegate to the right people i think the, the problem is that you don't have the right strength in your businesses right now to actually do what you want to do and you can't work any harder you can't be in if you want to open more restaurant you can't be in four places at once so you need to take ownership of what you believe you are you are very good at and delegate the rest or give the responsibility to somebody else i think it's a it's a, it's a brilliant way to for you to to approach to how you keep saying in in going up is there any 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 hacks you do to mentally be on top of it all because like it, i i feel sometimes i just can't i could work 24 7 and i would still not be able to do the impact i want to do especially right now uh because you just feel that I, I have to work a bit more because it will it will come back in in, in a couple of months time yeah so i think separating work from from leisure is obviously one of the most important things you can do for your mental health so now, being a startup is tough, it's time consuming, you know, like you're saying, some days you might work extremely long hours, but having, for me, a, a start and end time, uh, especially obviously during remote working, you know, people, uh, they, they might want to start work when they get up at 11pm and then work through to 8pm, for example, but for me, even when you're working remotely, is having that set 9 to 5, 9 to 6, for example, so it will help you switch off, so even when you get to 6, thinking, right, 
it's the end of the it's the end of the work day. I don't, I don't feel obliged to carry on working too late because I started later, etc. But like we said earlier on, I very much my way of thinking is very much list based. So I would make a list of everything that needs to be done, a to do list. Um, and if it's a particularly busy day, I will organize it by these are five things that I need to get done today. These are five things that I would like to get done today. These are five things that I should get done today. But if I don't, it's not the end of the world. So just having, you know, like a brief at the beginning of the day, what you're going to do uh, and how you're going to combat it. But very much having a start and stop time is one of the things I would recommend to especially freelancers, you know, who are always working remotely. Just having that start and stop time really helps you switch on and switch off, especially off these during remote working. Yeah, there's only one boss. That's yourself. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're working too much, you just you're not you're not good enough as a boss to yourself. That's for sure. You have to pick that. And I love that thing about reflecting every day. What is the most important thing? I always say, what is the one thing that uh, to solve eighty percent of your challenges today, or in in three months' time, or overall? But always think about what is the twenty percent that gives you eighty percent, and are you doing them? And when you've done that. You have actually done your work for the day, but you can always do more if you have more time. That's great. But if you've done that, you should feel okay. You've done what you can do. And as you say, you because also I think recovery, coming back to sports world as well, the best athletes know exactly when to stop training and uh, and playing because they need to recover to be ready to the next big match day. And every day is a match day right now. It's a big day every day now, right now. You can't afford not to be there mentally and physically. That's definitely what I've found out myself and what I hear people say. They've been become more aware about the balance, but they're really struggling with it. That thing about having a list of the five most important things, or three most important things, I think that's a, that's a very good advice. If uh, in the end of the podcast, uh, Mark, I always uh, ask people to give like three concrete advice to people out there, some tools to leaders out there that's looking for ways to bounce back and you can take the story telling angle on it or will, or maybe you have some totally three different other things you want to give. But what is your top three advice to leaders out there looking for ways to survive and bounce back? Uh, so obviously I'm biased in terms of marketing, but I would very much say if you haven't been doing marketing for, for the last couple of months, it's likely your pre-COVID you know COVID strategy won't work in a COVID world. So it's very much time to revamp your marketing strategy for a COVID and post-COVID world. So like we were saying, looking at the health and safety aspect, looking at the storytelling aspect, uh, and very much the reassurance. Um, I'd say that probably the second tip would be using free forums for, for advice. So one that I find extremely valuable is something on Facebook called the Food Hub. Um, and that is full of food and beverage owners all asking questions, supporting each other. You know, join any of these free forums and you'll be surrounded by like-minded people who can support you. There's another one on Facebook called the Coronavirus Business Support Owners Group or something along those lines. And it's a way of people going on and, and some of these groups have you know you can post on there what your service is and you can do like a, a skill swap for example where you can offer your service for free and get some other ones in, in, in return so free forums free groups on facebook are a really good way of connecting with people who are in a like-minded situation um and a final a final bit of advice i would say with probably just to, to pay up you know final bit of advice is to be honest with your customers with your suppliers you know everyone's in the same boat and everyone's going to be generally understanding of delays and you know in the face of safety. So if you're a restaurant, be open, be transparent, be honest, like we we're saying, as to why maybe your menu is restricted. You know, indirectly you're doing it to keep people, you know, to keep people safe. You know, if you're you know if you're B two C, highlight your COVID measures. You know, this is one of the things I, I stressed very much in in my marketing calls was this health, safety, you know, reassurance. Um, so just generally being 
honest, being transparent, um, and highlight what you're doing to keep the customer safe. Very much if you're if you're B two C. That's super, very super and concrete uh, advice, Mark, and especially the 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 food hub. I agree. I know that place. It's a very good place to go and uh, get some uh, free advice or just inspiration or ask a question and that could maybe lead you in the right direction sometimes sometimes you just need a little notch in the right direction to find a solution to your challenges mark thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing your understanding about storytelling and marketing about how telling story but also your great advice here in the end i send you all the power and energy you need to thrive and survive the the, the months ahead well, thank you very much, Michael. No, it was great to great to chat with you and great to to learn a little bit more about about what you're doing. And likewise, I mean, like I said, we're all in this all in this crazy boat together. A lot of you know small businesses they've got to lean on each other and and they've got to support each other. So, I guess that would be my my leaving note as well. That if you can do anything to to support other businesses, then then definitely do it. Great, thank you, Mark. Thank you very much, Mark. Some super insights and an introduction to how to get started with storytelling and how to use digital channels to boost your stories, but also your sales. If you like to get inspired by similar stories, you should also tune in to our episode number 12, Creating Authentic Brand with Mark McCulloch, Mr. Supersonic. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our community, download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.